You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and this is a conversation between myself and a guitarist called Pliny. Pliny's an extraordinarily accomplished guitarist, as you'll hear me praise him through the conversation. The reason for the discussion is twofold. First, he has a brand new EP out July 7, July 27th, I should say, 2018. That's called Sunhead. And he's got a tour to support that EP. That starts in August. I'll read out some dates. Friday the 7th is playing in Brisbane. Saturday the 8th is playing in Sydney. Thursday the 13th is playing in Perth. Friday the 14th is playing in Adelaide. And finally, Saturday the 15th, he is playing in Melbourne. I strongly recommend any fans of guitar playing to check out the man's work, either on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, whatever it might be. He's a tremendous guitarist. Without further delay, let's see what Pliny has to say. Here we go. Andrew, you still there? Indeed, yes. I've got Pliny on the line, so I'll leave you guys to it. Thanks, Janine. Appreciate that. Hello, mate. How's things? Hey, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very good. I'm very good. I've been looking forward to our chat because I'm really taken with your music. I've been a, a big fan, and I know this isn't strictly what you do, but of electric jazz guitar for a very long time. As a matter of fact, I feel like I've been the only person that's been into it because I'm also a musician, but I play bass guitar, a little bit of guitar, but my stage instrument right. is bass guitar. But I felt like when I'm going to gigs and I've got guys like Steve Kahn and Joe Parson in the, in the car radio or the uh, over the speaker system in the car, I, I get out and then I listen to the other guys, what they've been talking about, and it's usually because I play Carver's music, they've been talking about blasting the new Foo Fighters record, which, to be honest with you, bores me absolutely senseless. But when I heard when I heard your music, I I got to say, mate, I, I really felt a sense of patriotic, a surge of patriotic pride because finally we have a guitarist from Australia that is an equal. And this is my words, of course. I know you're going to be very humble about this, but you're one of the greatest guitarists that I've ever heard. And I'm not just saying that. I've listened to your material quite a bit. Uh, when the opportunity to have a chat to you came up, I've done over 300 interviews, but I was really excited about having a chat to you. So guys like... Kevin Borich, Ian Moss, Pliny. That's where I put you. So I guess that's, oh, a, Thank you. that's a point wrapped in my first question. It's really unusual for someone. Okay, so I'm 40, so I'm not going to ask for your age, but I, I take it you're younger than me, mate. But what got you started <laughs> and what got you into this wonderful jazz fusion style music that you're playing? Um, well, I, I grew up in a household where there was a lot of jazz. Um, my dad is an upright bass player. Uh, cool. And... I guess, funnily enough, it's probably from my mum that I get most of my music taste because she was the one that would be always putting CD, CDs on and stuff. So yep. first band I ever liked was probably the Beatles and then Michael Jackson, but there'd also be like Pat Metheny and John Schofield and stuff like that floating around. Hmm. Um, and then when I got into guitar, I went straight to... People like Steve Vai, Joe Satriani, John Petrucci, all the like rock god cool. sort yeah. of people. And hopefully this won't upset you, but I really didn't like jazz at all for some reason. I just <laughs> no, it doesn't upset me. It's all take, good. <laughs> didn't take any interest to, I guess, the tones and the playing style because I was into a lot of metal at the time, and I thought the harder you hit something, the better it sounded. Yeah, uh, and then. I guess I just slowly opened my mind up a bit and then got into more of the fusion side of things like Alan Holdsworth and pretty much anything that just totally scared me because I had no idea what was happening. Hmm. 
I sort of started listening to Holdsworth and more Pat Metheny and stuff like that. But at the same time, that's probably only a small part of my listening habits. There's also a lot of, still a lot of metal and like hip hop and R&B and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I suppose I, once I started getting a little less infatuated with uh, like electric guitarists who played the instrument like it was the only thing that mattered. I started getting more interested in composition and other instruments and that sort of thing. Sweet. What about, now I'm a big death metal fan as well, so don't worry about any comments about metal. Oh, I do get right into the metal. <laughs> and I can I can hear through your playing, now I could be wrong here, but the influence of Paul Masvidal from Cynic and, of course, the Grand Master himself, the patron saint of heavy metal, Mr. Chuck Schuldina, how about those two particular artists there? Have they had an impact on you in any way? I've never really less listened to Death, but I have listened to Cynic Heaps um, and actually toured with them in Japan a few years ago and got Sweet. to meet Paul and he's yeah. become he's become a pretty good friend because he's like the sweetest, most down-to-earth guy. Um, and I think doing that tour made me more of a fan of Cynic and then I went back and listened to all their albums a lot more closely and he's got, yeah, he's got an amazing style. Mm. Mate, the new album, or new EP I should say, Sunhead, what can you tell us about that? Is that is that a continuation of the music that you've released to date or is there some new and different stuff that are going to be heard on the on the EP? Um, I guess it's, it is a continuation because it's still me writing music and it's only been a couple of years since the last thing I released, which I think in the grand scheme of things is not much. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a person, I don't know that I've necessarily developed a crazy amount in the last two years. Um, but I think that's part of the fun of writing music as well, is it's kind of a diary of how you feel or where you head that at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the difference between it and stuff I've done before is I've done a shitload of touring since then. So I've been pretty much... And seen a lot of the world, which has been really exciting. And I've met a lot of bands that I look up to and met lots of musicians. Just seen all these crazy things. And I think that's made me a little more open to different ideas and more willing to explore different things. Like I'll go to a country and eat something I would never normally eat yeah. at home. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same with music. Like I'm more open to hearing a sax line in my head and then getting a saxophone player to play it or hearing like a a hip hop groove and then just using it and not being worried that it's too far out of the box. Hmm. So you've got this, you got this, you got this tour coming up. Do you do, do you do a lot of improvisation with that sort of stuff or do do you stick to, do you stick to what you've done on the EP because that's what fans want to hear? Oh, it's a bit of both. Um, most of the songs are fairly written, like in a specifically composed way, so we play that, but at the same time playing them, um, after maybe 10 times playing the same song, you start to find little ways you can tweak it and yeah. then change oh, no, exactly sections here and there. <laughs> yeah, I get that. And Yeah, and after, after going to lots and lots of shows, I find that there are only a few bands that can pull off playing... Um, like a perfect replica of a studio recording and still sort of get my full attention. Because after a point, it just looks like a bunch of people um, doing more of a recital than a performance. Mm -hmm. So I think 
the bands that throw in something improvised, even if it's a band like Opeth where the singer is making jokes in between songs, which is totally not like a death metal thing at all. Mm-hmm. I find that Indeed. element of the performance really good. So we put in drum solos, bass solos, new guitar solos, stuff like that, just to change it up. There's, there's this, I was talking to uh, Dave from Caligula's Horse, their bass player, yesterday, oh, two days ago, sorry. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, good bloke. And there's this... I'm not going to call it a resurgence because I don't know whether we've had it before. I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation leading lights like Kevin Borich, Ian Moss. So there were always these these man mountain of guitarists that were just standing tall above everybody else. But at the moment, I'm, I'm you know I'm trying to be uh, a bit more measured in my praise here. I do feel like you are the most accomplished guitarist coming out of this country at the moment. But there's a whole bunch of other bands. I mean, I couldn't name all of them, and I, I, so I won't even name any. But I'll simply say that we've got a plethora of musicians that are they make me feel bloody completely inadequate and i've been playing for 25 years i play <laughs> funk and groove and disco i mean i might listen to metal but my mute the music that i play is is pop music effectively but what do you put what do you put the extraordinary explosion of wonderful musicianship down to or it can it be put down to anything in this country at the moment um i'm not sure because I mean, I feel totally the same way. Every time I go on the internet, I see guitarists who are like 15 years old or 20 years old who play a million times better than me. So I think there must be just some sort of (laughs) global exponential growth at being good at things. Hmm. Um, So I guess maybe also to do with the internet because I would guess that 40 or 50 years ago, the only way to hear about guitar music would be someone's like fan newsletter or maybe a very niche record store that was stocking that sort of stuff. Whereas everyone in Australia has access to all the same music as everyone in the States now or the UK and we're all getting Guitar World and all those magazines. Hmm. So we have the ability to sort of get good at the same rate. So and I think it makes sense. We've got a population of however many people that there should be a lot of great musicians here just like there are everywhere and then again with the internet easy to find out about them like even though so many good musicians live in sydney a lot of them i've met on the internet before seeing them in real life yeah i imagine yeah 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 there's i do a lot of writing of course and something that i'm really particular on is I've got kids myself, as I was saying to Janine earlier, and one of the things that I noticed is that kids are very much drawn to bloody iPads and iPhones, but it's not constructive stuff. It's stupid apps that have got games on them and and just stuff that really is just a pastime or really, in my words, waste time. One of the things that I was really... Another thing I was really impressed with about yourself, mate, is that you're offering the sheet music and you're offering the music, the, the, the transcriptions to your music. So if somebody out there wants to, they can... They can play along to your music and they don't have to sit there trying to figure it out, which, of course, is half the fun in it. But it can be pretty frustrating when you're not such an accomplished guitarist like myself and you're trying to figure out something by ear that you've played, but you're actually providing the sheet music, which gives people an avenue. It sort of breaks down breaks down barriers and breaks down some walls. So is that something that you purposely thought of when you were releasing the transcriptions to the songs? Yeah, because I think my main focus is composition rather than guitar playing. So I'm not I'm not really I'm not worried that the guitarist is gonna learn my licks and then take my job because they can play guitar better than me. Hmm. And I think it's also nice to see stuff like this when you see it laid out into different parts 
you realize that it's not actually that complicated. Like there's a lot of repeating parts and there's a lot of simple chords that most people already know, but just maybe played with another part that you might not have distinguished on the recording. And I think yep. sort of that simplifications, that's definitely how I have learned a lot of music is seeing guitarists demonstrate their approach to stuff. And I think it can be, yeah, it can be helpful. Hmm. Yeah, look, I've just, before I got on the phone to yourself, I'm, <laughs> we're doing this, uh, playing the Treasury Casino up here in Brisbane and uh, I've got to play a bunch of ABBA songs. So <laughs> thankfully there's awesome. a lot of ABBA tablature available online, so I'm not, I can't read sheet music or I used to yeah. be able to, but you lose the, you lose it if you don't keep it up, as you're probably aware, but I can certainly read tablature. But yeah. there's a heap of other stuff. We've got an Oz Rock tribute show, so I'm playing songs by bands like Mondo Rock, and of course there's no tablature out there. I wish there was because you end up spending hours just trying to get it right because you want to maintain the perfection of your craft at the same time. And I guess that my point there would just be to give you another compliment about offering the sheet music or the transcriptions of the music you've got because it's uh, it will be the difference, I think, between somebody, a young guy or girl, 15 or 16, I'm just painting this picture, getting into your music and then picking up a guitar for the first time and then feeling that sense of being overwhelmed and then thinking, God, I wish I knew how that part went, and then finding it and that inspiration. Okay, now I've got it. Because I remember doing that when I was listening along to, remember Marty Friedman's Licks in Megadeth in the 90s off Euthanasia or whatever yeah. it might have been. You know, And you're thinking, God, how do you do How do you do that? And then Guitar World released Train of Consequences or what have you. You're like, yeah, now I can see it. Now I know how it goes. But you've taken away a lot of that, that if factor. So I guess that's just a point to, to dovetail what we were just talking about there mate and i better make this my final question what do you think the future holds for you because i imagine mate there's a big demand for you to play overseas yeah i mean i'm going to europe in a couple of weeks for some more shows and then back at the end of the year supporting a couple of bands and i was talking to my booking agent there and it's almost like because europe is so big and there's places i still haven't been it's almost like a never-ending trip to just keep going and playing more shows i think for the time being i'm just really excited to go anywhere i haven't been or even somewhere i have already been and play music because it hasn't been that long mm -hmm. but then it would be nice to get to a point where instead of being away six or seven months a year i'm away like three or four and able to play bigger more beautiful venues and have Mm. bigger production, maybe do stuff like work with orchestras or other players and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, that'd be great, yeah. Well, mate, I'll leave it there. Please keep on doing what you've been doing. I've thoroughly enjoyed your, watching your career so far, and I can't wait to see where you end up over the next 20 to 25-odd years and beyond. Thanks a lot. I'll Thanks. see you in Brizzy, I guess. Oh, absolutely, mate. I'll, I'll be in the crowd there, yeah. I'll throw the horns up for you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. See ya. Thanks, mate. Catch ya. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with a fellow who goes by the name of Pliny. Thank you so much for listening.